The reading is taken this morning from Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 22. Jacob's dream at Bethel. Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring your, you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob, Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. When Jacob made a vow, he said, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Amen. So we come this morning to the second of our Frontline Sundays at the start of uh, 2020. I do want to say a big thank you to Evan for speaking last week in the first Sunday of the year and opening up this theme for us. And uh, this morning we come to carry forward some of the things that were started last week. So just to remind you, and there may be some of you who were not able to be here last Sunday, indeed I wasn't here uh, we had a great celebration, by the way, for Francis' father's 90th birthday. That all went very well last weekend, so thank you for your interest in that. Uh, last week here, we started thinking about where our front lines are during the week and what God is calling us to be and to do in those places. And uh, just to remind you about the dots, do you remember this? The idea that 5% of, of, of the population, it is thought, will be in church, um, say, once a month or more frequently than that. Uh, so the worshipping Christian population is considered to be something in the region of 5%. Uh, and if they're together, so the red dots all in one place, it is the church gathered. 
And the same church, wherever they are during the week, is the dots that are all over the place on the next slide, which is the church scattered. And uh, last week, we not only thought about that, but we also had uh, some placemats to, place to remind you that when you are scattered in various locations during the week, uh, just use this placemat uh, for your coffee, and it's just a reminder that God means you to be there for him and that he is there with you. If you didn't have a placemat last week, there are a few left, so please do come and take one and uh, put them to use. So once they've all gone, they've gone. But that was last week's little reminder. We also had the text card for this year, which was launched last week. It's actually the verse that we're going to think about more specifically next Sunday morning. But here are the text cards. Again, if you didn't have one last week, then please do take one of those. And then also last week, Evan spoke uh, about the 6M framework for missional living. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? But it's uh, the kind of people that we need to be in our different places during the week modeling godly character, making good work, and so on. And uh, that list that's on the screen is also on this piece of paper. If you would like that, there are copies here. So that was all last week, and uh, that was a great start to what we're doing in this little series. And today we continue thinking about our various front lines, but this time we're looking at it through a wonderful story from the Old Testament where God met Jacob at his very ordinary front line, and how that became a truly extraordinary place. You see, you may be feeling that where you are for the most of the week is pretty mundane, not the most likely place for anything special to ha happen. Maybe some of you spend quite a lot of time in your own home with people that you're familiar with. Uh, some of you spend time in workplaces, some of you are in, uh, in various locations all around. As I look across the congregation, I can think of all these different places where you are during the week. But you may think it's all very ordinary and not the most likely place for anything special to happen and that people won't really notice even that you are a Christian. And if they do, it won't make any difference. And I think this story helps us to think very differently about our homes, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our routines in life, wherever we are, that it is not ordinary, that actually it is very special. Let me take you into the life of Jacob in the Old Testament. Jacob, who was, of course, born clutching the heel of his older twin Esau, and in that culture, to be the eldest son was extremely significant. It was the eldest who received blessing, who received the greater part of the family inheritance, who was marked as the future head of the family. And at the point where Jacob and Esau's father, Isaac, was very elderly and he was blind, his wife, Rebekah, schemed a way for Jacob to steal the blessing, which Isaac was planning to give to Esau, the eldest twin. Jacob pretended to be his brother Esau and came to Isaac and received a blessing from him as if he were the firstborn. If this pictures the scene of Jacob dressed as Esau in front of Isaac receiving that blessing with Rebekah watching over. Just a few moments later, Esau came in 
expecting that same blessing. But Isaac couldn't give it to Esau because those words already given to Jacob were binding. It was as if they were a legal contract. That is how it was in those days. And it could not possibly be changed. And the consequence of that was absolutely huge. Because now Jacob, and not Esau, would be the one who would inherit the land of Canaan. And all those immense blessings that were promised through the line of Isaac, now through Jacob, would be fulfilled. But equally the negative consequence was that Esau was absolutely furious and determined to kill his twin brother Jacob. And therefore Jacob had to depart from Beersheba and set off from Haran. And actually we pick up the story at that point, don't we? And uh, the opening words of what uh, Viv read to us was just these, that Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. Now you read those words and you think, okay, they went on a little journey. Oh no, not a little journey. Look at this. If you can get any sense of perspective out of this map, um, then you get some sense of Jacob's journey here. My, this was a massive journey. Hundreds of miles. From Beersheba, just south uh, of the Judean desert, near to Hebron, uh, through to Luz, which he named Bethel. We'll come to that in a moment. That was not far from Jerusalem. But uh, after that bit of the journey, right up across the River Jordan, up beyond the Sea of Galilee, up into the region of Damascus, and even that was only halfway, way up into Haran, a completely different area. A massive journey. And we just get the first leg of the journey, where, Joseph set off, where Jacob set off from Beersheba. And he reached a certain place and stopped for the night. And the place he reached was a place that was uh, historically called Luz, which he named Bethel. And this is where it all happened. He was tired on the journey. He stopped. He lay down and went to sleep. I love this story. God met him there. The ladder to heaven. The angels, the Lord himself. It's absolutely extraordinary what God said to Jacob in this place at this time. He had a dream. He saw this stairway resting on the earth with his top reaching to heaven. The angels of God were ascending and descending. The Lord said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land where you are lying. This very place where... Jacob lay down to rest because he was exhausted after the first leg of his journey. This very place was a place that God was going to give to him and to his descendants in future times. And his descendants would be like the dust of the earth. That means incredibly numerous, more than anyone could number. Spreading out to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and Bethel is very much central in the land of Israel as it developed at later times. And so this was an absolutely extraordinary promise. And then the Lord said, I'm with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. God's watchful presence 
every moment of every day. And Jacob responded, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't aware of it. This is an incredible story. How was Jacob feeling before he went to sleep? I reckon he was pretty low at that point. He had been manipulated by his mother. He had upset his father. He was being chased by his brother. So the family situation was not too comfortable at that moment in time. Things were not looking good. Mentally, he was torn apart. Physically, he was exhausted. He just walked through the Judean desert. That's not a simple journey to make, I can tell you. Steep ravines, dangerous paths, the setting of the story of the Good Samaritan, hot, dry climate, absolutely draining every ounce of energy from him. And spiritually, I would suggest that Jacob in this moment was far from God. And that God was the last person that was in his mind as he was on this escape from his angry brother. And yet this dream amounted to a total transformation for Jacob himself and for this particular place. In this place that seemed of no great consequence where he chose to lay down and rest, he discovered that God was there. And as a result, he took a stone and he poured oil on it. He renamed the location with the word Bethel, the meaning of which, of course, is the house of God. It was a profound moment of worship which transformed a very ordinary place into a sacred space. And that's what's so important about this story. It happened in such an ordinary place at such a difficult time when Jacob was far from God and utterly exhausted and disillusioned. And God met him there and transformed that place. There's so much more that we could say about Jacob. But sufficient now just to identify this part of the story, just to pass over the fact that he went all the way up to Haran, that a lot of things happened there, and that then he returned back into this region. And as he prepared for that return journey, very interesting, in later in Genesis 35 and verse 2, he said to his household, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I've gone. This was in later years, as he reflected back on this moment, that God had met him in that very ordinary place, in that very difficult moment, and had been with him ever since. Well, you might wonder, what has all this got to do with your front lines today? I expect many of you have already seen the connection. That God wants to meet with you in those ordinary places of your everyday lives. Your workplaces, your homes, your social places, your difficult places, 
We could add your places of rest. Wherever you are, God wants to meet you and let those ordinary places become special places. Let's look again at the story. See exactly what this meant for Jacob and what this means for us that ordinary places can become something very different. Because when we go back into this story of uh, Jacob's dream, we find that it was, first of all, a place of spiritual encounter. And it begs the question, where are you most likely to encounter God today? And of course, most people would answer that with reference to church or chapel or cathedral or prayer room or monastery. Somewhere which has a special spiritual designation attached to it. And of course that's not wrong. And there is often that profound sense of worship in a place that has been uh, ad dedicated to that purpose for many years. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's far from the full answer. You look into the Bible and you see where God met different people. He met Moses at the burning bush. He met Elijah at the whisper of a cave. Jesus met Zacchaeus when he was up a tree. He met the woman at the well of Samaria when she was going about her daily task. He met Peter on a beach, which was for Peter his workplace because he was a fisherman. He met Mary in a garden on Easter Sunday. Most of the profound spiritual encounters in the Bible are in ordinary places. And the finest example is this one here when we're thinking about Jacob where he lay down to rest after an exhausting journey and God met him right there. And today we hear stories of people who have amazing encounters with God in prisons, in schools, in homes, in hospitals, in pubs, in playing fields, wherever we are. So where will you be this time tomorrow? Sometimes we've asked people in church to talk about that, haven't we? We've used a slogan, this time tomorrow, and asked people to say where they're going to be at uh, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock on a Monday morning. Uh, and I can think of a few people who will be here in this building this time tomorrow uh, for various reasons, and that is indeed part of our mission and part of our front lines. But most of you, as I look around the congregation, will be in other places this time tomorrow. God wants to meet with you where you are tomorrow. That very place can become a gateway to heaven. The ordinary becomes the extraordinary because God is there. And sometimes that encounter can be incredibly powerful. Sometimes breathtaking things will happen. An unexpected communication, a passing event that leaves you speechless because you suddenly realize that God has been working in a way that you never thought possible. Your ordinary places can become a place of spiritual encounter because God is there. And he does want to be known to you and to those who are around you. And it is sometimes in the most, in the most ordinary moments that extraordinary things happen with God. So we need that expectation of a spiritual encounter that God will meet with us 
in the ordinary places of our lives. Because this place for Jacob was one of profound spiritual encounter. This place was also for Jacob a place of renewed vision. Because God said some amazing things to Jacob about his life within this dream. And we touched on them earlier. What would his future look like? Was he forever to be on the run away from his angry brother Esau? Not at all. God had a different plan, an exciting plan. He and his descendants would occupy this land and become a vast family whose influence would touch all the nations of the world. Wow. Though it doesn't say so here, part of God's plan for Jacob in future was also a reconciliation with his brother Esau. Another amazing miracle. Here for Jacob was a place of renewed vision. I wonder what is your vision for your workplace, for your family, for the voluntary agency that you're involved in, for our church here, for whatever activity takes your time and energy during the week. What is your vision for that place and for that time? Is the focus getting a bit narrow? Are you bogged down with internal conflict? Is your work just a job? Do you get up in the morning with enthusiasm and with joy or with a feeling of monotony? Not another day. Not another day. How am I going to get through this one? God wants to bring a renewal of vision to all our front lines so that there are places where your influence for Christ is real and strong, where faith is vibrant and exciting. So what do you anticipate as you think about stepping into that place and time during the week, whether it is still within your own home or whether it is in a different location Whatever it is, whether it's among people you know very well or whether it's meeting new people all the time, uh, different brief encounters in conversations, whatever your kind of work or life requires you to do, what is your vision as to what God is able to do in that place and time? You see, Jacob wasn't expecting anything to happen when he lay down to sleep that night. For him, it was all going to be very ordinary, but God had a different plan. Last week, you saw some images with dots, and I reminded of you of them when we started this morning. The idea of the church gathered with the dots all in one place, and the idea of the church scattered with the dots all over the place. There is one more image in this series. We have the church gathered, we have the church scattered, and we have the church glowing. I'm not quite sure that the merging of red and pink and grey quite conveys that uh, image in this scatter diagram, but nevertheless, you get the point that when we are in those different places, eager to capture what God is saying and what God is doing, then each of us are the church glowing. And the influence of that spread across the world is significant. It makes an enormous difference. 
a renewed vision of what God is wanting to do through your daily routine. This place where God met with Jacob in an unexpected way. It was a place of spiritual encounter. It was a place of renewed vision. It was a place of true holiness. Jacob said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. He used the name Bethel, and Bethel means house of God, which is why it's a popular name for churches. But Jacob didn't use it for a church. He used it to recognize that the Spirit of God was there in this ordinary place. It was a stone pillar out in the open air. And that, for Jacob, was the awesome place, the house of God. So could it be that the home where you care for your children, the office where you conduct your business, the customer's house where you offer a particular service, the football field where you are coaching, could these ordinary places become the place of holiness where heaven touches earth? I'm incredibly excited by this. Indeed, part of me would love to be where some of you are in challenging and difficult contexts where God wants to meet with you and turn ordinary places into holy places. Jacob took the same stone which he'd used as a pillow. Not the most comfortable resting place by our way of thinking, but that's what the story says. He took this stone and he set it as a pillar. The pillow became a pillar. And he poured oil over it. Some of those rituals may seem a bit obscure in our thinking. But it was a profound way of marking this site as special. Because God had met him there. I don't think the Lord needs masses of stones covered in oil today. But it's good to mark the moments and the places when our encounter with God is real and is special. And if we're really going to apply this story to our lives this morning, then we need to expect that God is actually going to meet with us tomorrow and the next day in our ordinary places, that he's going to speak to us, and that there will be extraordinary things that happen. There will be signs of God's Spirit at work. There will be evidence of the effectiveness of a humble Christian witness of an ordinary life that has an impact on others. And when that happens, it's good to note it, to mark it, and to share it. For some of you, that may mean that you can put, a face, put up a Facebook post and you can share how you sensed God's presence in a particular place or a particular time. That would be incredibly powerful. Wouldn't it be wonderful if there were Facebook posts all over the place saying that today in my ordinary place of work I sensed that God was speaking to me or that this moment happened. Here was a sign. I believe, of God's Spirit at work. Sharing with the congregation here 
what God is saying and doing in each of our lives is also deeply significant. And again, we want to recapture that and encourage stories and testimonies in the coming weeks. So just in a word or two, it doesn't need to be anything elaborate. We can simply share what God is saying and doing in our daily lives. Later in Israel's history, this place, Bethel, became somewhere very significant. Thousands of people came to worship here at festival times. But in Jacob's time, it was simply where he lay down to sleep. There's no saying what might happen when God is truly at work in your front lines today, where ordinary places become special because God himself is there. He wants to meet with you wherever you are and let those ordinary places of your lives become places of spiritual encounter, of renewed vision and of true holiness. Our Christian worldview is often in stark contrast to what is around us today. But that was exactly the same for Jacob too. But God met him where he was, spoke to him powerfully, God wants to meet you too, where you are today and where you are tomorrow.